Captain's Log, Stardate 743-72.5. The USS Challenger has been undertaking a survey mission near the famed crash site of the USS Enterprise D. I have been ordered by Starfleet Command to rendezvous with their crew to assist. Lieutenant Commander David joins me on this errand as we return together aboard the USS Vigilant. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to Starfleet Legends. All right, welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, I'm Captain Chase McKinney, and today I have another person with me? Question mark? I'm Ron Burgundy. And um, anyways, I got Commander David Fogel up in the station with me as we uh, as we do this episode together. So what is going on, good sir? What's going on in your world? Oh, well, you know, uh, uh, holiday stuff. <laughs> holiday <laughs> That's a good way to put fun. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ro- rolling up on that holiday season again and, uh, you know, dealing with all the crazy family stuff and... And it's uh, it's it's excellent. It's excellent. So it's good to be diving into a little bit of a uh, little bit of trek, a little bit of literature. Yeah, man. And you know, this is um, right up your alley, so to speak. <laughs> um, I I listen to your show as as much as my schedule will allow me. And um, you know, I've been listening to you know your Mandalorian recaps, and those are fun to listen to. But I went on. The um, I don't think I could find all the episodes on like Spotify or anything like that. I'm sure they're there, but they're probably just hiding from me. But I went to YouTube because I was just like looking around at stuff, um, and I I think the oldest one that's on your your contingency plan podcast YouTube page is I think episode two. I don't even think episode one is there. Yeah, there there was a weird thing uh, with the setup at that time where it wouldn't put things on YouTube for a little while. And then they switched to, we'll only put one episode a week. And then, you know, cause we were running multiple episodes. It's like, wait a minute, I pay for this service. You <laughs> got to give me a little bit more than that. I mean, I, I could go back and like upload stuff myself, I guess, but mm-hmm. meh. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like, that's the thing too, like for, for the listeners that don't, you know, run a podcast um, and like host it and stuff like that. The the place that we that I think yeah, both of us host our podcast through um, a server service called Podbean. Um, I think a lot yeah. of podcasters use Podbean, and uh, whenever you're publishing an episode, you have this option um, on the publishing setup page of where you want to share it to, like automatically, and you know you have like your social media places. I think Tumblr is one of them. <laughs> yeah, it, is. it still is. That's weird to me. Um, and, yeah. and then there's, there's YouTube. YouTube is one that you can automatically upload to, but it only uploads it as just an audio file, like with your, um, like your podcast art on it. So yeah. that's one way that you can listen to it. And one thing that, um, I'm doing for the patrons is you're now starting, we're starting to produce video versions of the podcast so that you can see the shenanigans that I'm getting into uh, with the person sitting across from me or the persons sitting across from me, so to speak, virtually. But going back to, um, you know, 
this this discussion today that we're going to get into here in a little bit, this is kind of right up your alley because your podcast, um, when it first started out, was a Star Wars reread podcast, uh, is what I remember hearing on episode two that I was listening to. Yeah, that was uh, that was the original premise because at the time there really wasn't going there wasn't much going on in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, we got more as time went by, but me and my brother, we were readers. I probably me probably more than him, but um, yeah, it was just a way to you know connect and you know get together periodically and just talk about books and read a little bit, which is you know I think it's very important for people to you know continue to read and uh also you know it allowed me to uh continue my disease of going to half price bookstores and buying (laughs) more books that i don't need well now i need them because i'm doing a podcast on them so (laughs) of course justification's perfect but yeah that that was the that was the beginning the genesis i actually just talked to him yesterday because uh I know you had said it, and then I, I believe Lane and Ez had talked about it too when I was down down towards their uh, their neck of the woods, and uh, they were just talking about the old rereads. I was like, man, we yeah, we got to do another one. So I told them we were going to get back into those that series of books. So we should um, we should be trying to record one of those uh, after the holidays. We have our normal schedule. Mandalorians taking precedent for everybody right now. Um, so yeah, we're going to be getting back into those. Those were a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, I think I, I talked to you about this, um, at one point, I don't remember when it was, but it was fairly recently. Um, oh, I know what it was, but I won't, I won't spoil like the project that we were working on. Uh, the high Republic, um, book, mm-hmm. book that's coming out in January. Uh, like I'm looking forward to that, I think. And I think that was the same comment that I, that I made. Uh, when we were working on our thing, so uh, being all yeah. cryptic and stuff, <laughs> vague. Yeah, High Republic could be cool. Uh, I think the first, like something like the first eight chapters, are actually out right now, available to read. They, they've been releasing them in a slow burn, uh, but I haven't read them. I don't the burn? Like spoilers. Wait, wait, is Star Wars responsible for the burn and discovery? Well, there was a great disaster that they keep talking about in the High Republic. So, I, I mean, Michael's whole thing could have just, like, transcended galaxies and timelines and alternate universes. You never know. The jokes. The joke's on us. We are no longer in the Star Trek future. We are now in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Next thing, before this, this season ends, we're going to be seeing Stormtroopers... And lightsabers. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> is that sacrilegious oh, for me to say? It probably is. I don't know. But <laughs> just think about like, I don't know, Will Riker uh, seeing a Jedi with a lightsaber is like, what is that? It's a lightsaber. Can I can I just like can I get one of those? I could just see him like going around swinging it around stuff. Just don't do the old Luke move and put it up to your eye, Riker. <laughs> Without knowing where the power button is? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. All right. Um, anyway, yeah, we're going to be we're gonna be talking about um, a story today. And um, I think I can tease this. I hope I don't bite off more than I can chew at this point. But the plan 
um, as it stands right now is that the last episode of the month, um, so we, we publish on the sevens, uh, new episodes on the seventh. So that's the seventh, 17th and 27th thereabouts. Of course, things happen, schedules happen. So it might be plus or minus a day, but we're always doing our best to get it out on the sevens of each month. So David has been gracious to, um, you know, be on board for like all the engage episodes that we're doing right now with discovery and knowing that David enjoys a good book every now and again, and that we got to put him in debt when it comes to half price books. Um, we're going to be doing, um, like, uh, some, some Star Trek book discussions, um, at the end of each month. So, um, if, if it gets a little out of hand, which it probably will, uh, we'll let you know uh, if we got to push things back or move things up. But as it stands right now, that's what you can kind of be expecting. So uh, today we're going to be going into um, a continuation of a discussion that David and I actually started in, uh, I guess it was the summer, like June or July, thereabouts. Yeah. Um, Ashes of Eden, which was the first of um, this storyline that we're, we're going to be diving into from uh, the Shatnerverse is what it's called, the um, Odyssey Trilogy is what it's also called too, uh, which is technically non-canon, but it's it's real fun to talk about. So, <laughs> yeah, um, ag agreed. And I, and I I do have to say this is probably the most Shatner book. Uh, you know, the Ashes of Eden, not quite as much. This one definitely had some Shatners, some Shatner isms. I feel like that yeah. just it made me laugh. Yeah, so this is the book uh, for anyone that is watching this. Um, this is the cover of it, of um, Star Trek The Return, a novel by William Shatner, uh, with this sweet little quote, little caption thing, legends never die. And um, I believe this was published in 1996, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, published in 1996, and... Uh, the audiobook of this is um, abridged, so I think it totals about three hours and some change thereabouts. Yeah, it was it was a little over three hours. Yeah. And um, anyways, it's it's definitely an interesting story. Oh, look at this sweet little picture of of the chat. Look at that. <laughs> look at look at that. It looks all all businesslike. Uh, man, look at the Shatner. Y'all are missing out. If you want to see this, become a patron. Or go buy the book. One of the two. But I actually looked for a for a physical copy of this uh, beforehand, and I, uh, you know, just locally, uh, and I wasn't really able to locally. It's kind of weird. You know, when we when we first talked about this, you know, when you and I were first talking about the Shatnerverse back in the day. I went to a half price books like shortly thereafter and I could not find ashes of Eden. Um, I found the return found that it was, I mean, this is a hard copy. So that was, that was cool. Yeah. Um, and then the, the one that comes right after it, um, Avenger, which we'll talk about hopefully next month. That is the plan. Um, couldn't find that one either. Couldn't find that, but you can find the audiobooks. uh, with real with relative ease on audible yeah um, yep. and i think both of us listened to to it and I, I i peeked around with the book just to kind of see how much i'm missing or not missing and it's not that much really i mean yeah and the 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 interesting thing though is that when, when i was looking 
because I, I hate abridged uh, readings. I personally think that that's ridiculous. I couldn't find anywhere on there that it said it was abridged. And so I was like, oh, cool. It's not a bridge. It's just a short read. William's just running right through it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. It's just abridged. Yeah. Can you imagine like, if they had abridged the Harry Potter stories? Yeah, Lord of the Rings. I mean, any of that stuff. Because uh, uh, Wheel of Time. Song of Ice and Fire. Yes, Wheel of Time, Song of Ice and Fire, all that stuff. I oh, mean, yeah. those books are crazy long as it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I if if some old gentleman with a with a fancy accent can sit down and read those books, William Shatner should be able to as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, welcome everyone to this episode now that we've been at it for, you know, ten minutes or so. Uh if this is your first time listening, I just want this to be your official welcome to the show, and I hope you um, enjoy this and that you'll go out and, and check it out and read it for yourself. Um, you know, engage engage episodes is really where we like get into the weeds of stuff and we kind of like pick at the details. This one, we're probably not going to be doing that. We're going to kind of talk generally about the story, um, kind of like overarching stuff, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about like some cool moments and moments that might connect to other aspects of Trek and then really wherever else the discussion, the conversation takes us. So uh, I'm looking, I've been looking forward to this ever since I finished it officially. Um, We were supposed to be doing this back in the summer, but stuff happened like with my family, which kind of prohibited that from happening. So here we are making good on our promise to continue this conversation. So, um, with that, um, I just had an episode that I recorded with Eric. Uh, it was the most recent uh, regular episode for These Are the Voyages, and it was on Star Trek Generations. And Star Trek Generations was the very first um, The Next Generation cast movie that came out in 1994, and that movie was meant to bridge the two crews, the original crew with Kirk and company and the new crew with Picard and company. And... Um, Spoilers, I guess statute of limitations has kind of expired on this since it's been, <laughs> you know, a long time. But Kirk dies in Star Trek <gasps> Generations. I know. <laughs> Shocker. Oh. <laughs> he's dead, Jim. Anyway, so he's he he done died. Um on the bridge, under the bridge, a bridge died on him. I don't know. Crushed, <clears throat> crushed <clears throat> like a pea. Yes. So anyway, so at the end of it, he dies, and the the crew kind of just go off, and like the credits roll, and that's it. So this book is happening right where that le- leaves off, essentially. Um, I believe it's um, what's it been like? I think inside the book, it's about a year. I'm just trying to like lay the groundwork. I think it's been about a year since. Since that crash on Viridian 3 happened. Yeah, I, I believe you're correct on that. And um, anyway, there's some weird sciencey stuff that happens. And um, that's where we're going to go from there. So, um, David, you know, in terms of this book, what you, what'd you think of the book? Um, it, it's 
it has its entertaining moments. Um, I did find myself because generally what I'll do is I'll pop on the headphones, listening to a book while I'm on the treadmill, or you know if I can get out and take a walk before the sun's gone because uh, it's a you know stupid daylight savings time. Um, but <laughs> the the only thing is is it, when I do that. It's much easier to keep attention when you're physically reading a book because you're actively engaging. But when you're listening, a lot of times it's the same thing with music. Things can pass by. But if it's a really good book, nothing escapes my attention. I'm, I'm very actively listening. Um, I will say that there are a couple of parts in here that uh, I, I don't remember very well. And uh, one of them was surrounding a character. And to be honest, when I, I went back and, you know, I pulled up like a plot synopsis just to, you know, just to yeah. real quick, real quickly reaccommodate myself. And I was like, wait a minute. That person was here? Where? I don't remember that at all. <laughs> sure. And it was like it was a big it was a big deal to me because it's like that would have been really cool to have remembered. So I, I don't want to knock the book too much, but like there were definitely things that I remember, uh, things that I don't. It, it, I would say it's. um it's kind of a, an, an, an average book. Uh, definitely has a very recognizable formula as far as um, plot. But, I mean, the plot's interesting, but it's, um, it's something that I feel like could be in uh, just a regular episode of, I mean, any Star Trek version. Probably next gen, but could have happened elsewhere. But it, it did one really cool thing. Like generations, it bridged the gap between several different generations. So that was kind of cool. I'd agree with that assessment. Yeah, there's there's a lot of cool things that happen. I mean, from original series of Star Trek to the movie era of original Star Trek. Yep. To 90s Star Trek, especially with Next Gen and Deep Space Nine. Yeah. That was cool uh, to see. Um, and I mean, it, it like ran the gamut, like with, with all the all the things. It really did. And uh, help me out here a little bit, because I know you you know this way better than I do. I will try. <laughs> <laughs> How much time passed between the um, basically what was perceived as Kirk's death aboard? Um, Oh, what was that ship called in Generations? Uh, the Enterprise B? N- no, 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 no. The, the newer ship that he was... When they encountered the Ribbon? Um, yeah, the Enterprise B. At was the begin- it the... Oh, okay. I'm the sorry. Beginning, the my, beginning of, of Generations, yeah, right? The, the, yeah, okay. Yeah. The Enterprise B. Sorry, my, my bad. So what what is the time frame between, but, but, uh, between that time and then when we pick up with the next-gen crew? How many years is that? Uh, 78 years, I believe, is what the, the caption is in the movie. Okay. So, can, can I just do the name drop of the character that I didn't remember, but it says here in the plot wiki that yeah. they were in here? Yeah. So, Le- Leonard McCoy. Yeah. How old is Leonard McCoy at this point? So, you got to remember, the dude's like 120 or 30 at an encounter at Farpoint. And that's seven years before. Yeah. Well, actually, hold on, back up. This is a year after um, Generation. So th- that was 
eight years on from whenever he walked the Enterprise D in Encounter at Farpoint. So, yeah, Brother Man's pretty stinking old. He's like 140 by this point. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I know lifespan. Oh, lifespans are so much longer. But it just, it just seemed crazy to me to think that Leonard McCoy, Admiral McCoy, is still just advising along. <laughs> you know? It's like, what? What? Well, and at one point, and I don't think this is spoiling anything because we're speaking kind of generally of this, but like at one point, McCoy is performing surgery. Yeah. And, and like, if you remember in um, Undiscovered Country, like he makes the little quip about like, besides a touch of arthritis, I'm doing okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it's been, it's been years, like the years happen between Undiscovered Country and when we see Kirk and Scotty and Chekhov on the Enterprise B, you know, mm-hmm. with, um, I think it's Captain Harris, um, Harriman, right? Harrison, yeah. Harrison, whatever. Alan Ruck's character. <laughs> um, so that's like, I want to say like three, four, five ish years. I could be wrong on that. So, I mean, the dude, I mean, he was probably like in his like, what, 60s, would you say? Maybe. Y- yeah, you would think. I mean, because because even even during the original run, he was kind of like one of the older characters, just chronologically in the show, anyway. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I thought that was. I just thought that was funny. Um, I mean, the only reason why we have Scotty was due to you know uh, his engineering genius and trapping himself in a transporter buffer. So mm-hmm. in in an episode of Next Gen, which is. I love that relics. I really do relics like is that good. episode. That was that was one of my favorites. Um, but anyway, no, I, I just I thought that was interesting. Um, I wasn't quite sure if that was more fan service than actual, uh, you know, potential realism. I mean, I know we stretch things. There's science and stuff, but it, that that just sort of that was kind of funny to me. <laughs> and and it, it killed me. It killed me because I don't remember that part. Don't remember it. I'm gonna have to go back and listen again. Darn. Darn it. Darn. Got to listen to a book again. Yeah. Well, and, but <laughs> again, like we were talking about, there were so many throwbacks of V'ger. I mean, what? Yeah. Yeah. If, that if, was a tie-in. So I want to say that. Like, that was something that I did like about this particular book um, is I don't like the motion picture. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and I know that there are people listening that probably love Star Trek the motion picture and they'll fight tooth and nail for it and that's cool and I'm about to insult some people with this I put on Star Trek the motion picture when I'm sick and I want to go to sleep <laughs> I'm usually asleep before the, the big old tour of the Enterprise outside is done and I'm usually oh, no. waking up when the credits are rolling. Oh, jeez. And I've, yeah. probably, I've probably seen Star Trek The Motion Picture all the way through maybe three times. Wow. Um, awake and, and lucid. Yeah, it, it's been a long time since I've watched it. It, it wasn't my favorite, but there again, I mean, <clears throat> if you really had to pull favorites, mine's always been uh, Voyage Home and then uh, First Contact. Yeah. Th- those are my two favorite Trek movies. Insurrection is is up there as well. 
That's also very good. I have said I have said this just as like a continuing with this aside that um, insurrection has been growing on me. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's probably the most Star Trek of the next gen era. Oh yeah, I'd agree. But I'll also say it very easily could have just been an episode of next gen. It could have been like a two parter. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. But it was good. I I, I enjoyed it. Anyway, so this story, like we, like we were saying, it picks up right at the end of, of Generations, and there's um, essentially a faction that's formed, and they've partnered together to more or less reanimate, revive, whatever you want to call it, James T. Kirk. And we see the implications of that um, throughout this entire story. So uh, some of the species that are involved in this particular uh, story, help me out because I might forget some folks, but we got obviously the humans with, um, with Starfleet, okay, and whoever else is involved. We have um, a type of enterprise of sorts that kind of sneaks in there. Uh, we have the USS Challenger. It's not; these aren't species. I'm just kind of going down the list. USS Challenger is also a galaxy-class starship in the same vein as the Enterprise D, um, and that's where Riker's kind of hanging out um, when this is kind of going on. And um, we also have the Romulans. We have um, the Borg. We have Vulcans that are all kind of hanging out in this particular story. Am I missing a species? I don't think so. I no, think those I, I are think the main that, ones. I think that's, that's pretty much what we had, yeah. Yeah, Vulcans, Romulans, Borg, humans. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And there's some weird stuff. Um, there's like there's some questionable things that that these characters are subjected to and yes. I don't know if I like the direction that it went at times with some of those questionable decisions. And I'm, I'm speaking vague about it. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously the point is, is that you guys should go out and read these books yourself to get, you know, your, this isn't cliff notes, so to speak, but, um, you are kind of following two arcs in the beginning, you know, the, the Kirk arc and then the Picard arc. I mean, mm-hmm. just like the the cover, you have the split between Kirk and Picard. Yeah. Um, you know, Picard has a mission, which, uh, you know, kind of brought me back to, um, uh, what was it? There are four lights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Chain of command, part I, one and two. Yeah. It kind of brought me back uh, to that a little bit because it, well, it didn't quite have the same outcome, but in a way it kind of did. Um Obviously, you know, a very strange Borg, um, I don't know if plan's the right word, but like plan, alliance, whatever you want to call it, that's very, that was kind of odd. But the reanimation deal, that to me was, um, I don't know, did... 
because Spock was technically reanimated, but he was reanimated on the terraform planet. Yes. And you could you could science you could science yourself into both of these, but man, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. I don't. I, I've never been much of a reincarnation kind of guy. I'm the kind of guy that when you oh well, uh, 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 discovery with Giorgio, it's like just leave her dead. You chose to kill her, just leave her dead. No, we have to bring back evil Giorgio. So, which is actually somewhat similar here. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it though? <laughs> it basically is. Yeah. Yeah. Um gosh, man. Uh yeah, there are there's some weird stuff and I think at some point in this discussion we discussion we might <clears throat> accidentally like talk about and spoil some things just because it's the story and you yeah. probably got to talk yeah. about it. But, um, okay. I'm going to talk about the story by talking about something else. Um, this story, if I'm being honest, um, I got so many callbacks to Star Trek Picard when I was listening and, and reading this thing. There were just a lot of like things I was, and I was thinking like, did the people making Picard like read this? Did they listen to the audiobook? Because there's a lot of parallels with the two stories, in my opinion. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. With the Alliance, there we go. I just spoiled it. With the Alliance. Um, that's in the book and that's in Picard essentially, right? I mean, True. if we could call if we could call it an alliance in the in the in the show, yeah. um, and then of course with um, Data, Data is also in this particular story, and Data is, um, and, and I tried finding it. Um, I I heard it and I tried going back and finding it in the book and I just had a hard time finding the exact page. So. He mentions this one thing called the Trilex question. Do you remember that? Maybe it, was, maybe it stood out to me. I don't think I remember that, no. So he talks about this thing called a tri the Trilex question, and it has to do with sentient life and artificial life um, not being able to live harmoniously together, and that AI is going to wreak havoc basically yeah. it's like the short way of putting that and i was like well, dad gum alex kurtzman did you freaking read this book and like just base picard off of this book yeah yeah i i, I could uh, i could see that um because honestly when, when you really get when you really get down to the brass tacks yeah i mean yeah because even even the alliance in here was kind of built on a lie um, you know, the, the Borg are going to do what the Borg do, no matter what they say. Absolutely. And we even had a, uh, we had a Borg planet. We did. So yeah, fairly reminiscent of, uh, yeah, actually that, yeah, that's a good, that's a good shout. It, it, <laughs> maybe they did. <laughs> maybe, maybe season two of Picard's going to be the Avenger or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh! I've I read like the plot, like the the synopsis or like the tease, you know, for 
uh, for it, and that would be interesting if they were to, again, take a cue from it. Uh, well, they did technically resurrect Picard, just in a different way. <laughs> yeah, they did. Oh, goodness. Um, and again, like with what we're seeing with Picard doing in this book, when it comes to um, there's a rescue attempt that is being made, like it's a rescue attempt slash slash a trap slash a rescue attempt, um, like all convoluted kind of thing going on. And we see the same thing on at the reclamation site, uh, at the, the old dilapidated Borg cube with yep. Picard and someone looking at him and saying, Locutus? Yeah. And we don't get the exact same thing, but we get like a very similar interaction that's taking place in this book as well. Interactions, I should say, not just one. Multiple right. interactions. Do you feel at all the um, all of the the Locutus portions of this book? Did you feel at all uncomfortable with that? Hundred percent. Not even a hundred percent. A hundred and thirty percent. I felt uncomfortable with it. Yeah, I mean, because obviously we get we get much more about the process of really. Picard and and his, you know, that his Bori experience really much more in first contact than we do in the show. I mean, it, it happened, and then we kind of get back into episodic form. But his his again, sort of tapping into the Borg that it just made me super duper uncomfortable throughout the entire book. It's like, oh no, uh, don't go too far. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go too far there. Yeah. Yeah. When it, there was um, a part where they were talking about this, um, this rescue attempt, this rescue plan, this thing that they're doing um, mm -hmm. to get Kirk back. Cause there's been like news that's like kind of gone throughout like the galaxy, so to speak, that Kirk's alive, but something's weird and right. we got to go save Kirk basically. And when, uh, oh, that was another thing I forgot. Speaking of best of both worlds, by the way, um, Shelby shows up. Commander Shelby yeah. shows up in this. And uh, I don't know if I like her that much more now. Um, I mean, she's met, she was, I mean, yes, she's ambitious. Okay, nothing wrong with ambition uh, when it came to, like, how she was portrayed in best of both worlds. But mm -hmm. the the role that she serves in this book um, even though it's kind of minor, if I can just, can I say it that way? It's kind of minor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't like how she was teeing things up, uh, for, for Picard. And, um, I think it was like Crusher that was yes. involved in yeah. this as well. Yeah. Um, th there are two things there, but we'll, we'll uh, I'll start with Shelby. So, uh, Shelby was one of those characters and un un I would say not unfortunately but more for plot design they did a, a job of that several times throughout Next Gen to bring in an outside character that was very overtly pushy about everything um, uh, The uh, in the very first season uh, the guy who winds up being the worm uh, 
at the very end. Ah, what was his name? The Admiral used to conduct like a little witch hunt on the Enterprise. Um, wait, first season or later on? Because like the the drumhead was more of the witch hunt, and that was like season two. Admiral Satie, is that who you're talking about? No, 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 no. Admiral Satie, I'm sorry. Uh, that was, um, oh my gosh, no one kill me. I think that was actually season four, but like the one with the uh, um, measure of a man where they're going after data. Is that what you're talking about? No. That Admiral? No, I, the, 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 conspir- the whole conspiracy thing that they sort of ended in that episode, but they brought back the, the, um, yeah, yeah, the alien I know, parasitical. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like that's like the most like... Yeah, that's like the most intense episode of all next gen, and like it's actually not allowed to be distributed. It, it, yeah, true. I, I just I can't remember that that particular officer's name, but there was him, and then there was also the uh, the the captain who uh, took over for Picard when he was doing that Cardassian mission. Um, well, that was Captain Super- Jellico. Yeah, Jellico. So, but they always they always kind of interject these sort of um, overly confident or pushy, arrogant characters, and I think Shelby was somewhat unfortunately put in that because she was so confident. Um, but then when, of course, like the weapons didn't really make a difference and, and you know, we realize we're not as prepared for the Borg as we right. think we are, it kind of dropped down. But it does kind of feel like, you know, they're, they're propping her up as the expert here again. And, you know, there's there's no wrong in that type of deal, despite the fact that the, the route this story takes is we don't know what the Borg were doing all along anyway, and we have to discover that again. And, you know, our footing's not as good as we think it is type of deal. Right, right. I'm trying to find it right now. <laughs> um, from Conspiracy, right? That's what you're talking about? Yeah, I, yeah. Wow. I just got done stumped. And Eric's probably yelling at us right now as he's listening to this episode. <laughs> like, you fool. You fool. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's just been, um, it, it's like it's on the tip of my tongue. And I'm, I'm actually looking, <laughs> looking along with you guys. Oh, Rimmick. Dexter Rimmick. That's who I was thinking about. Oh, okay. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Because it, it was Admiral Quinn. And then that's that's what I thought you were talking about was Admiral Quinn. Yeah. But yeah, Remick. Yeah. So, yeah, what a <laughs> what a thing to put on TV. <laughs> I mean, I actually like just since we're talking about it, I kind of enjoy that episode in a way. It, 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 yeah. In a way. In a way I did, too. It was it was uh, it was very cliffhanger type of deal. I thought it was neat. Um I wish they would have come back to that more or just come back to it in general um, way down the line um, because like I think we're we're left off with like you know we've delayed them for now basically true yeah they never picked off well I think just because of the way they ended it it probably is like well we probably shouldn't touch that again right. um, blowing up but of course they, in the first they, season what season was it where the writers strike happened and they didn't finish that Romulan storyline was that was that two season two or is that season uh, with the bases being destroyed it's not the Romulans it's not us it's someone else type of deal um 
This has nothing to do with the book. It has nothing to do with the book at all, except that Romulans. <laughs> Romulans in a conspiracy. That's about it. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, can I can I go over one of my favorite Kirkisms from this book? Please. That doesn't spoil anything. Please do. All right. So we, 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 we do have um, uh, one of our characters here who is uh, one of the Romulans, the Solitrell, right? And uh, we, we were just on the bridge of, of her ship. And they had this whole commentary about, and then she looked over to Vox, who was her lover. And just the way he delivered it, it, it just sounded so cheesy, but it made, it made me laugh as like, well, not only was it, you know, blah, 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 but it was clearly her lover, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Kirk, you, <laughs> you, you dog. Shatner, you SOB, you know exactly what you're doing there. Is it? <laughs> Because he, he has uh, co-writers in here. Um, was it uh, Garfield and Judith Reeves Stevens? Yes. Um, but you can clearly tell where like he comes in at times. He's just like, so what if they were lovers? So Sure, why not? So you're talking about the authors. So like, this is, we're like jumping all over the place, and that's okay. Um, just I want to say this about the book. Um, it, I mean, not that it matters because it's not canon, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's it's worth noting like how the idea for this book, for how you know the return, right? What we're talking about, how that ended up uh, being a thing. So the Shat was in generations, like we were talking about at the beginning. While he was filming, he was trying to figure out. And feeling inspired of like how he can get his character back, of course, of course. <laughs> and he wrote a, I think it was a forty-page treatment in his trailer while filming Generations, is is how I believe wow. the story goes. Um, trying to make a pitch for how to bring Kirk back from the dead, which, of course, you want to live forever, right? And that and that. And I love that. Like that's a that's a line that you hear, um, a couple times, if I'm not mistaken. Like, of course, I'm, I I plan to live forever. And we heard yeah. Riker saying that at the very end of Generations. Like, I don't know about you, sir, but I plan to live forever. And right. then we hear, we hear that again and again in this particular book. So I thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, of course Generations inspired like the story because he's dead, but in more than one way, it inspired the story. Yeah. That's interesting. He's definitely not a Harrison Ford who just wants to kill off all of his characters. <laughs> hey, kid. <laughs> all of his characters. Um, you so don't did, stick did, did me. You, do you think it's it's too much to kind of go over some of the characters that we did see in the book, though? Not at all. Not at all. Because it, 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 it is a cool kind of amalgamation of different um, different generations, like we said. Obviously, you know, Kirk, John Luke, we've said that. We've also, you know, openly said Beverly and Leonard McCoy uh, in, in Data. Um, but you do have Riker. He, he starts it off. Worf. Uh, mm-hmm. Worf is kind of briefly here. Um, Jordy. Jordy LaForge. And uh, Julian Brashear. Now, 
I will say this. I enjoy William Shatner's readings, but I'm not 100% on some of his voicing, uh, mainly no. Data and Brashear. No. I thought that, that was a little bit odd. I did too. Um, you know, You know what? Maybe this was like unnecessary of me to do, but did you find yourself waiting to see if like the data voice was going to say contraction? No, I didn't really think about that to be honest with you, but now now if I if I listen to it again, I'm going to have to listen. <laughs> did you like did like that that was like seriously the thing I was like, okay, you data better not say contraction unless we're going to be like in an alternate universe or parallel existence or something um yeah well, like, well you, you did get his his uh poor poor cursing so <laughs> deanna deanna troy said i should you know express myself well you know maybe maybe just not that way data maybe you should express yourself a little less david david yeah <laughs> data fine i will express myself much <laughs> much less chase i Appreciate oh. the constructive criticism. You're welcome, buddy. You're welcome. Appearances here. <laughs> You're welcome. Absolutely. Yeah, we we have him, um, and it's actually around that same time that that whole Trilex question um, thing came up, like with like the whole cursing and stuff. Like we really didn't get data too much, from what I remember. It was I felt like it was just like right, yeah. a handful of scenes, if that, um, that he shows up in. The rest of the time, yeah, it's I, it's mainly Picard and Crusher and, and stuff. True. I will say, I, I do think they kind of made him a bit of um, comedic relief, though. Yeah. I, I felt in this, like, there was at one point where he's, you know, shot with a phaser. He's like, well, it will take a much higher charge to knock me out than that. You know, that sort of deal. So, it it's just, well, why are you talking right now? Like, just, like, stop being a target. Like mm-hmm. do do battle stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So I thought that was that was that was the only real strange thing with with him. But um, I, 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 I go ahead. No, you go. Fine, I'll go. No, I thought it was <laughs> consistent with um, with with data though, um, because data is is the comedic relief, generally speaking, when it comes to you know the next generation and the next generation movie. So. Uh, maybe a little bit more hammy than normal yeah, with maybe. with Data's portrayal, but it was still consistent with his character, like being that comedic relief, so to speak. Um, yeah. Julian Bashir. okay, I, I know that there's the camp when it comes to that character is, it's, it's very split when it comes to Bashir, especially early Bashir on Deep Space Nine. Uh, you either love him or you hate him. And I did not hate him. I, I liked Bashir's portrayal um, in this book, from what I remember. Uh, from, from the yeah, different appearances bad, we have. Him. Right. B- Bashir is like kind of a, a Mary Sue. You know what I mean? And I do. And we learn he's, he's, aug- he's augmented anyway, so he's better in quotations, better, smarter, faster, stronger, the $6 million man. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, I always kind of liked him because he was always kind of had that boyish naivety, you know, when, when everything was like super serious, you could always kind of count on Brashear to sort of, 
you know, bungle through all that young doctor uh, mm-hmm. type of deal. I, 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 I had very little to complain about with DS9 uh, for the most part, um, but Bashir was never somebody I complained about. So I didn't like him early on. Like I just didn't like him early on. He was just too much for me. I don't. I, I don't know. I, get it. I, I didn't. I didn't really start to like Bashir. I think maybe until maybe mid season two. Maybe, maybe late season two, but it, w- it was definitely before season three. Yeah, uh, it just—it took a long time for me to warm up to him. Like I've—I've I've gone on record and saying like, the reason I kept coming back to Deep Space Nine early on, even when I didn't like it, was Jadzia. I just—I liked her character the most, um, apart from Cisco. I mean, like I like Cisco, but like I gotta have someone else that I like besides the Captain for crying out loud. So. Oh yeah! Absolutely! Absolutely! Anyway, so Bashir, even though he's a minor character of sorts in this book, I think he does like a, a pretty major job um, when it comes to like the development and, and driving the plot forward mm-hmm. um, and kind of the payoff in a way, too. So um, if you're a Bashir fan, I would encourage you to read this book, listen to it whatever floats your boat. I don't know. Would yeah, you, would you agree with that? Sure. Like that assessment of Bashir in this story? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I, I would agree with that. Like I said, I would, I was kind of, I was kind of happy that they, that they included him. you know, that they actually went to deep space nine and Riker talked to, um, Quark a little bit, had a little, had a little Quark in there. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think Bashir was, um, probably the right person to put in here. Like, I think you could have really been overhand or heavy handed with who you added in at this point, mm-hmm. but to just add in Brashear, I think, I think that's a, that's enough of a sprinkle to not overshadow. Cause I mean, at the, at the heart of it, this, this in my opinion is just a continuation of generations. This is Picard. This is Shatner. This is kind of their story converging, um, at least one more time. Right. And, I mean, it's not really a spoiler because, one, we haven't read it, but we're going to get more Picard and Kirk <sighs> in Avenger. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I think without going too deep in it, obviously, how we get Kirk, I think, is going to be an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Like how how does how does Kirk uh, come into Avenger? Um, because there are definitely parts of this book that would seem to say that we won't. Right, and kind of maybe sidestepping a little bit from like the Picard Picard Kirk um, thing. Uh, we talked very briefly about uh, the motion picture and the role that that kind of plays in in this story. When, when you got to that part in this story and the Borg were like, mm, we're not going to mess with you. You're not defective. Did you kind of have like one of yeah. those kind of moments? 
I actually thought that w one of one of the only things that gave me some pause was Spock, because you know that was that was weird. That was a weird. Uh, I mean, it, it's interesting the way they play it off with Viger, but I, I will say that the only thing that I I just didn't feel uh, attuned to as much was Spock's attitude kind of after that he's logical and yeah you can jump to conclusions using logic but if another potential logical ar argument is presented um, I at least from my experience with Trek he tends to listen in this yeah. particular book he didn't he was very steadfast in his own uh, thought and he wasn't going to listen to anything at that point until you know, essentially it was presented to him in black and white or right or whatever color a mind meld is. I don't know that maybe they tune in Technicolor, <laughs> uh, you know, like Hanna-Barbera or something. I, maybe maybe it's animated. Maybe it's real. I don't know. Maybe it's ColecoVision. Maybe it's a kaleidoscope. I really don't know. He might it, be just it was just the tra- 70s. Everything was vibrant and colorful <laughs> in the 70s. Come on. <laughs> so. Somehow my mind melds have become duller over time. It used to be so colorful. Um, mm. Talk about psychedelic. I, I don't I, know if that was a mind meld, dude. I think it was something else. <laughs> 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 but I just thought his his um, I thought his uh, interactions with Picard were they felt strange. They just felt a little bit strange to me, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I, this is has nothing to do with what you just said, like with Picard and Spock, but it does have to do with Spock. At one point in the story, they talk about um, Spock's current age and how that's like Vulcan middle age, basically. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, like the I think they said like the age of like 130, whatever it was, 120, 130 years old, and middle age is 100 and something. And then I look, and, and uh, okay, guys, I okay, I understand that Leonard Nimoy is a human. I get that, but like Star Trek two thousand nine, he looks freaking ancient, and that's only fifteen years on from from this. I'm just saying, like, what's up, man? What's up? <laughs> I don't think that's middle age. What? What what is the lifespan of a Vulcan? Wasn't it like after you get past two hundred, that's like considered really old? I thought so. Because if only Sarek there was a was, way uh, that we knew. Yeah, I know. An interesting thing called a computer. Yeah. But I mean, Sarek when he kind of the last times we saw we saw him I thought he was just over 200 of course he had uh, what was it Ben Dye syndrome so that's a, a little bit more you know terrible um, but so Sarek was was 200 years old uh, 203 in unification uh, whenever he died Tuvok was um, 139 140 years old in um in the alternate timeline, so like in Endgame, um, he was 139, 140 years old. Uh, Tapau, 144 ish, 
years old in a muck time. So, I mean, really, okay. yeah. So, I mean, like they look, I mean, they look old, right? I mean, obviously there's a, yeah. like older actors playing them, but yeah, Sarek was 203 when he died, and I don't know if that's considered young, but by by a Vulcan standard. But um, it isn't. Uh, there's a quote here that says it isn't unusual for a Vulcan to retire at your age. After all, you're only 102. 102.437 precisely, Doctor. Measured in your your years, I had other concerns, and that's McCoy and Sarek. So, hmm. yeah. So like a hundred years after that interaction between Sarek in the original series to Sarek and Unification. So season five of the next generation, you know, 101 years later, it's crazy. Hmm. Interesting. Can we also talk about just the random renaming of ships? Yeah. Okay. Mm hmm. Like just, mm hmm. There's okay. Gang, I've already talked about how there's an enterprise of sorts in this. And that's what we mean. Um, just because Kirk and Picard end up on the same vessel together, if I'm remembering it right, and yep. they decide that because there's two captains of the Enterprise that we're just going to call it the Enterprise, which is kind of weird to me. Yeah. yeah I, I found that to be a little strange. I mean... In, in in all my you know old timey nauticalish novels, you you don't really change the name of a ship unless you take it. You know, if it were like you know the British and the French, the British take a French ship, then they might rename that to a more English uh, name. That so that makes sense. But just because hey hey wait a minute, you two guys were uh, both captains of the Enterprise. I mean, for old times' sake, let's just call it the Enterprise. That seemed a little bit odd to me, I guess. Um, Not only that, but it was it was captained by someone. <laughs> yeah. It was captained by um, captained by this character named John Lewinsky, and it was a Defiant class ship. So yeah. think of the USS Defiant that we see in um, in Deep Space Nine. Okay, and that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. No sense. I don't Which, um, I might be kind of lost on this one, but the Defiant didn't pop up, I thought, until, what was that, end of, mid to end of season three? Is that right? Of Deep Space Nine? Does that sound right? Because that's around the same time that um, Cisco, Cisco got his captaincy. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right there. And obviously they were just using runabouts for a while. Right. I mean, like the whole show was designed to be stationary because everyone else was exploring. We didn't need another show going off exploring something. Um, so with with that, with that, though, like the Defiant, if I can just be that guy, I'm going to be that guy, David. OK, I'm about to be that yep. guy. The Defiant, yep. if I'm remembering right, and Eric, please don't kill me. Defiant was was an experimental craft 
That's why it had an NX designation to it. NXs are experimental craft. So why was this thing around in 1994, so to speak? Okay, why was this around in 2371, and not why did it, it just it, something's not adding up for me in terms of like starship design as we know it, and like the timeline in which certain classes of ships are popping up. Yeah. Am I overthinking so, so you this? I don't think so. I mean, you are right, by the way. It, it, its first appearance was episode one of season three. Um, so, yes, that indeed did happen the beginning of season three. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, think it, I think it's probably one of those things that it's like, because that would have been 94. So this book was written in 96, right? Did, is that what we established? Yeah, right. 96. It was set. I, I just think it was the cool thing of the time. It's like, ooh, those Defiant class ships, that's a tough little ship right there. Little. <laughs> <laughs> yes, little. So, I, I don't know, man. I I think it was it, it was probably just more a symptom of the time. It's like, oh, that's a that's a cool ship. Let's use a Defiant class. Okay, so just to uh, okay. So here's the thing. I'm looking at, at Memory Alpha on this one because I just got to know. And um, the episode Defiant was um, set in the year 2371, which is the same year that this is technically taking place, 2371. And the Defiant, it says the, pro the Defiant prototype was pulled out of storage in 2371 when the Dominion threat emerged. After, after several upgrades by Deep Space Nine Operations Chief Miles O'Brien, the ship was deemed worthy of use and more ships of the class were constructed. So yep. the one that we see in Deep Space Nine is a prototype. Yep. Cool. I guess we had others just ready to rock and roll. We just put them on the in the replicator, and boom, we're off, we're off to the races. Yeah, industrial replicator. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Utopia Planitia <laughs> shipyard replicator. I'm being ridiculous, y'all. I'm I'm totally being ridiculous right now. But it just. I mean, I like the Defiant. I think it's a cool little ship. I mean, less than 50 people and stuff. I mean, that's cool. But, I mean, there's a dude captaining it. Really? Like, you're... Why? I mean, cool. You got Picard. You got Kirk. Cool. But was it really necessary if, like, neither one of them was going to take over as captain? Because that didn't happen. They were just there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I just don't know. I mean, they, they mentioned a couple of ships here. Uh, I'm just looking at a reference page here. So they had the uh, the Bozeman, um, the Farragut, and the Potemkin that they mm -hmm. all mentioned at some point during this book. Uh, so, God, the, the Farragut and the Potemkin and the Bozeman, those seem to pop up a lot, don't they? They like, really do. They really do. <laughs> so I, I don't know it, but that that was that sort of seemed a little bit odd to me when when we just renamed another ship, uh, just because that's what we felt like doing. And then yeah, it was it was con it was captained by by a dude with the last name of Lewinsky uh, in '96. Didn't that What's give you some 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 nostalgia '90s nostalgia there? <laughs> Should I, should I attempt to do an impression? 
I, I, I won't you can do, do it. Whatever you want. This is this is your show. <laughs> I'm going to recuse myself from it. Apparently, yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> I was just telling oh, I was goodness. just telling Eric in the episode, uh, most recent episode, that man, I miss the '90s, but I don't miss that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, has, old. has nothing to do with Star Trek, but. I watched the Animaniacs back in the 90s, and the Animaniacs is back on Hulu. I watched the first episode. Yep. Did you watch it? Please tell me you watched it. I have it. not, no. Okay. No. Dude, there's a saxophone playing Bill Clinton in it, just like in the 90s. Spoilers, everyone. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Okay. Nostalgia. It serves a purpose every now and again. So it does. Yeah. Well, I think we've we've probably talked very generally about the book. I think we've talked about a lot of things that worked, that didn't work as much for us, like in some questionable things yeah. here and there. Um, so I think we kind of talked about it, but just as we kind of like wind down and and kind of you know, pump the brakes and, and stuff like that on this, on this episode, when we, we're not going to necessarily rate this book, um, other than, is this a book that you would recommend or pass on? If you enjoy a little bit of nostalgia, if you enjoy multi-generations of Trek and if you want to kind of have a story that you don't necessarily have to invest a ton of time or thought in aside from your own um, you know nerdy lookup of, of different things mm-hmm. you know to, to oh yeah I remember that you remember I remember um, then I would say absolutely if you don't like going down those sort of nostalgic rabbit holes um, and you're you're more kind of like, nah, I just kind of want our normal timeline, then I would say no. But personally for me, yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was an interesting read. And uh, yeah, I'd recommend it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think this is... I enjoyed this one much more than I did Ashes of Eden. Um, that, that's just me. I enjoyed this one more than Ashes of Eden. And... I think this, when I when I went through Ashes, I was like, I know Return's coming, but I don't know if I'm really looking forward to Return, the Return. And after experiencing this one, uh, listening to it primarily, but also like, you know, going through different parts of the book and looking at stuff, I got to say that this book causes me to feel more anticipation, more excitement for looking at Avenger. Um, so this one gave me more of a, a, a positive feel, positive vibe to it. And um, I would agree with your assessment in terms of like, if you dig the, the nostalgia, if you dig, you know, seeing like different, you know, iterations of Trek kind of converging in, in ways, um, you know, especially if you like a good best of both worlds, and you know, Kirk Picard kind of romp, then yeah, I would definitely recommend uh, this book to you. Uh, otherwise, 
you know, if, if that's not what you dig, then definitely pass it. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to yuck your yum, but like, just, <laughs> I'd encourage you to check it out. You know, um, you know, it's on audible for crying out loud. Um, and I think it's interesting. This is, this is kind of funny. If you think about it, the, um, I think it's ashes of Eden and I looked ahead to Avenger. I think the artwork is the, um, the cassette tape audiobook art that's on it and this one um <laughs> was just like the regular old book cover for the audiobook so just fun little thing to notice so nice. i'm glad that we had this conversation i'm glad that we we read this um read it listened whatever to it um that we finally had this conversation and um next month we'll be picking up with avenger lord willing and the creek don't rise type of thing yeah exactly so no one go anywhere because we're going to continue this. And um, as it stands right now, just to kind of tease it out just a little bit, um, David and I, you, you, we were talking about, um, you and I were talking about what we want to do after the Shatnerverse type of thing. Mm -hmm. And we have um, an idea of what we'd like to do. And it was kind of based out of the inspiration of some stuff that we saw with um, Lower Decks, Star Trek Lower Decks that uh, recently wrapped its first season. And we saw it on CBS All Access. And that is the Titan book series. And uh, that is a book series that's been out since, what was it? I think 2005 is when it was first published. That sounds right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, and there are a lot of books. There's, I think it's a nine book series uh, through the main Titan storyline. But of course, like all Star Trek books, it kind of pops in and out into like different stories, connects with other stories. So it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like you need like a decoder ring to kind of figure out <laughs> what it is that you're going to read next and where <laughs> the story goes. And it's go get yeah. me some crack. Hey, David, can you go get me some Cracker Jack? So I'm looking for that decoder ring. Uh, if only they still put prizes in them or good prizes. There we, go. we all wanted that Dakota ring. I want the Dakota ring so bad. Um, so I don't know if we're really are we that old? Dakota rings? No, that was our parents probably. I don't. I was about to say I didn't. I, I don't think we're that old. <laughs> no. <laughs> what would be the Dakota ring of our era though? A magic eight ball. Uh. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, that might be it. I don't know. I always enjoyed having my tricorder and then my little men in black flashy thing that I got in a Burger King Happy Meal thing. Mm. I remember that. Dude, I found <laughs> a, um, like, not, well, like, a fully functional air quotes, right, neuralizer um, without, like, actually neuralizing <laughs> you for, like, 300 bucks at like this one like prop site oh my god and i found like one on etsy for like about the same amount i'm like y'all really and then you bought it i did not buy it you bought it nope (laughs) that's a nope rope no if i'm gonna if i'm gonna throw down some cash it's gonna be on some star trek stuff y'all i'm just saying i got i got a collection over that way of like ships and stuff and books and lunch boxes and hats and bleh stuff. But no, 
No. Well. I'm saying no right now. I'm not giving in to peer pressure. Anyway, so we're looking at, at doing that uh, book series, and there, um, there's about like 20-ish chapters on average, 20, 25 chapters on average with those books. So we're not going to do like a full episode on the entire book. One, because one, there's not an audio book on every single one of them. So we need time to actually read them. And um, I don't want to do harm to myself that way by forcing myself to read 24 chapters in a month. I mean, I probably could, but I don't want to be held to that for as long as we're probably going to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. Life gets in the way. We're both working, working adults with, you know, you have a family and everything. So I do. Yeah. Sometimes that <laughs> just reading a book can be a bit of a challenge. Right. I'm probably going to be like laying up in bed, reading me some Will Riker and company uh, before I go to bed just to make it happen. So, uh, but I don't think the chapter just like, Good. I was just gonna say, do you, do you ever just like put on your uniform and then just like get with your with your cup of Earl Grey and just like just like trek out all the time? I mean, I can't Doesn't lie. Everyone, I can't lie. You know, there's been times I'll put on a Star, you know, whatever Star Wars I'm watching and just grab my lightsaber and just kind of have it in my hand as I'm watching things. So I mean, that's nerdy and all, but you know, it happens. Do do you? Well, the real question is, since you brought up Star Wars. The real question is, do you put your Jedi robes on, fire up your, your pink lightsaber, and use that to stir <laughs> in the creamer and sugar in your coffee? <laughs> I do not have any lightsaber swizzle sticks. The one I have would probably just like, just <laughs> stuff would be. <laughs> oh, that's great. How'd you know my color? It's on your t-shirt. It's like literally on oh. your T-shirt. You know, if, if you're a Patreon of, or a patron, I always say that if you're a Patreon, you're not a Patreon. You're a patron of Patreon. That's true. I hate that. But anyway, if you're if you're a patron, they'll see that that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> of this show, yeah, you'll you'll definitely see that's not true. Maybe. Maybe. Or will you? <laughs> All right. All right, Dave. Well, you've been a good sport. Um, thanks for coming on board again and, and talking um, on the main show with us about this book. And um, we'll be back next month with another installment of um, more Star Trek novels, stories, whatever you want to call them, uh, books. Uh, lit, lit Trek? Star, Tre Star Trek gets lit? Can we call it that? <laughs> okay. Okay, boomer. <laughs> It's lit. It is All lit. Right. <laughs> this Star Trek is getting lit. Uracher. All right. That's my dad thing. I got to make my quota. All right. Well, again, thank you, David. And thank you, everyone, for listening to um, this episode. Like David was saying, if you do want to kind of see the shenanigans of like how we're staring lovingly into each other's eyes as we record these... Uh, we have a video version of the podcast that we are um, putting up regularly for our patrons to um, to check out as well. Um, and there's some some fun stuff um, in those videos and more videos and stuff like that um, coming down the pike on the Patreon. Um, apart from that, um, 
you know, if you would like to get in contact with us, you can do that. You can do that um, by going to our website, trtvpod.com, and check out our Hailing Frequencies are about. Uh, learn about the show that way. You can um, ask questions there. A um, couple different options for, you know, a fill-in-the-blank box to um, um, interact with us and kind of uh, share your comments on the stuff that we're talking about uh, as we are putting out content. So whether it's, you know, talking about the return and sharing your thoughts about it or it's telling us about your favorite episode of, you know, Star Trek Enterprise. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Um, of course, if you just want to send us an email straight away and you're opposed to websites for whatever reason, even though you have to probably get on like Google to send us an email, um, you can do that by entering coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comment may be used on a future episode of These Are the Voyages. Now, finally, if you do want to mail us something like, I don't know, a ship designation or whatever, that's cool, or pudding or scissors or a letter, whatever you want to send us, a book. You can send us a book, and I'll give it to David. Um you can you can mail that to us at um, at the Lone Star Station, which is PO Box two four five five, Azel, Texas seven six zero nine eight. As always, everyone, thank you so much for joining us on this voyage that we've been having today. And as we leave here today, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so. <laughs> <laughs>